appreciate all your birthday wishes. I am now experiencing a 30th or a 40th uh, anniversary of my 21st birthday, something like that. Just, <laughs> that's how I celebrate them now. <laughs> praise God. God bless you. Thank you, gentlemen, for helping to lead us in worship and praise. Appreciate it. More than words can say. Hallelujah. Woo. After something like that, after hearing Nate sing, <laughs> I just, I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you so much. I knew those were trick candles because I saw the, you know, it was sort of like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm not going to be blowing this for the next half hour. Not going to get me in that one. The older you get, the more you know the tricks. Praise God. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's, every day is a gift. Yeah, I constantly tell my wife that. Uh, and of course she echoes the same. Every day that we are in this earth realm is an opportunity to serve God and to serve our families. To be grateful. And to embrace all that God has given us. It's hard many times. Uh, the kids are being dismissed so please feel free to do that. But it's hard many times to be grateful when you're going through guilt trips in life, when you're, uh, or when you think God doesn't love you or think you're not worthy of it. It's hard. It's hard to enjoy the moment. But you know, Jesus was always in the moment. He always knew how to maximize the moment. And if he had to laugh, he laughed. If he had to cry, he cried. I was raised that men don't cry. And even to this day, I still struggle with that. But many times, you know, I have a, a good tear to cry before God, and, and I still uh, struggle with that because of my upbringing. But thank God for His tender mercies. Thank God for His grace. So every day that I get up, I, I'm grateful to Him. You know, Paul one time said it this way. He said, I'm grateful uh, for everything because I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to not have anything. So I've learned just to be grateful. Then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not that he does all things. Because we're not called to do everything. It's out of context. What he is saying is I can, in the hard times, I, I can do his will. In the difficult times, I know how to process that because I do it together with God. I can do all things. I can go through all things. I can experience all things and, and still move on. Because Christ strengthens me. Now some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been through incredible odds, incredible struggles and yet you're here today Amen. and you know what you're stronger because of it you're stronger because of it my generation as we were coming up we uh, we didn't like the struggle that we had early on I was raised in in the West Harlem area uh, my, my parents decided to move into Harlem when I was one years old I was born downtown and uh, in 19th 18th Street around there I was born in the Bellevue Hospital before, of course, it transitioned. <laughs> just, just, I want to put it out there. I want to put it out there. <laughs> and, uh, and so my parents brought me up here. So all I know growing up is uh, West Harlem life. Uh, went to school, PS 165, 109th Street, 108th Street, Booker T. Washington. So, I mean, I had a difficult upbringing. Went through a lot of changes. Um, much of my childhood I was spent 
very intimidated, always looking behind my back. Uh, from time to time, uh, one or two of the gangs would catch me and beat me up. So, and then my parents were working. They worked from 3 to 11, and I went to school from 8 to 3. So I practically wouldn't see my parents at all because they were busy working. But uh, I remember coming up during that time, I hated the community because it was mean to me. I didn't understand the dynamics in the late 60s, early 70s. I didn't understand anything. But I, uh, you know, that was going on. Why the hate? Why the rhetoric? Why, why the racism? I didn't understand any of that. And I just knew that some of it was perpetrated against me because I was many times called the white boy. I was the one that, that would almost get beat up until I would start speaking Spanish. Then they would just, oh, all right. And then they would just walk away. But I experienced that many, you know, many times. Several times I was almost murdered. And just at the moment, they would stop. They would just back off. Or they would just stop the forward progression just to complete the task. I don't want to belabor the point, but when I was coming up, I was very angry, very angry, very upset. Then my mom said, I'm going to move you to Puerto Rico. So I said, oh, okay. So she says that I'm from there. I was born here, so, but she said I'm Puerto Rican because she's Puerto Rican and dad's Puerto Rican. So I said, okay, so I'm going to go among you know, the people that I belong to, so it should be better for me, right? So I went there. It was worse. It was worse because the kids, the kids over there, uh, the young folk, called me Americucci. And it didn't sound right while they were saying it. Uh, and so, uh, and then they also called me gringo. So I wasn't accepted by them either. So I, I told mom one day, I said, mom, if you don't move me back to Harlem with dad, I'm just going to run away and you're never going to see me again. And apparently, as a 12-year-old child, I must have been so uh, convincing that she let me come back. I, I don't remember exactly. I just remember telling her that. I remember being angry. Uh, while I was in Puerto Rico, I never went to school. I played hockey every day, every single day. First and foremost, because the kids didn't like me, and number two, I hated the uniform. The short, it's khaki shorts, khaki color, shorts. I wasn't gonna wear shorts like that. I wasn't just, I just wasn't gonna do it. Over here, you wore, wore you wore whatever you wanted, but the funny-looking shorts. So I, I moved back. I, I came back with dad, and, and I felt more at home here than I felt over there. But the, the point I'm saying, the reason why I'm saying that is because it led me to a point where I remember I would walk by churches and I would just stop and I would start crying. I didn't know why. I didn't understand it because I had no understanding of the gospel. We were Catholics, but just basically Catholics by uh, title or by culture, but we were not practicing Catholics. And so I would go by the church, I would st you know, stand there and I would just cry. And I didn't know why. I just felt that peace, and I felt that I was, I was being attracted to it. But one day, uh, my, my wife, was, she was, we would go to school together. We graduated. She went to her high school. I went to my high school. We went to junior high together. I used to hit her in the head and run away. <laughs> yeah, we used to play games like that. You know, I didn't like her that way. We were just, you know, classmates. And, I don't know, you know, kids just do crazy things. But she invited me back to a junior high get-together, and we got together, and her mother met me. And, her, you know, she invited me to her house. We went to her house, her a couple of other kids, and her mother looks at me and says, you know, God's calling you to be a pastor. I went, huh? I said, what? I didn't know what a pastor was. So a pastor showed up from a local church, and he spoke to me, and he shared with me what that was. Uh, they shared to me the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
God loves me and you know there's a future for me I didn't understand any of that honestly I, I sounded good though because my life up to, up to that moment really had no meaning no purpose uh, I was upset I was upset at everybody hated the community uh, I didn't feel I belonged anywhere because I was always always that rejection thing and that can affect you for all of your life that rejection factor and uh, so but you know they, they spoke to me especially her mom she gave me Bible studies uh, that's why I believe so much that many times we should get together in the homes and have Bible studies at homes because they're so impactful for people that are not going to church I wasn't going to church but it was in the home that I found these beautiful verses and uh, pretty much that's where I found out about Jesus little did she know that she was setting up you know her daughter future daughter's future husband right or maybe she did know I don't know but the truth of the matter is is that that was the greatest moment of my life when uh, when I went to that church and they invited me to the altar and I received Christ because what happens was there was a shift in my future shift in my destiny there was an awakening to who I was supposed to be and this lady didn't know me from Adam but prophetically she knew me you know God uh, had appointed me for something in the future but I didn't know it and I'm just saying this because for all of you God has also appointed you for something Amen. there's an amazing ministry for you and an amazing call for you an amazing outreach there's an amazing partnership that God wants to do with you and through you so uh, you know 40 something years later looking back I'm grateful and I'm grateful because all those times where I could have been murdered God protected me I remember one time they took me to the roof to throw me off the roof for those of you that haven't heard my testimony one floor just before the roof the gang leader opens up his door he lived on the sixth floor seventh floor was the roof he lived in the sixth floor as they were taking me to the roof the stairway going to the roof he opens up his door and he sees them and he's their gang leader a guy named Caesar and he says where are you taking this guy oh, we're going to throw him off the roof he came to our turf uninvited and in those days you were seeing a lot of kids in backyards really just a, it was a normal thing in the Harlem area and, and he said now you can let him go he's, a, he's cool cool meant that I had lent him my basketball just a couple of days before how do you put these things together it was God's mercy plus nobody knocked on that door he just opened up the door he just decided to go out at the very time that they're passing me by what is that 15 seconds 20 seconds I am here alive today because of the grace of God you are here alive today by the grace of God because I'm sure if you can share your testimony you would say the same thing you would look back at your life and say that's a God moment that's a God moment this is a great mercy moment this is a grace moment you know and, and you could say without any doubt God's grace is upon us amen? amen hallelujah so I just have to say that just so that you could uh, you know, just, just think and, and see the footprints of almighty God in your life last week I started a series about the Holy Spirit and today I want to talk a couple of minutes um, are you led by the Holy Spirit are you led by the Holy Spirit so ask your neighbor are you led by the Holy Spirit Amen. In Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. So my version might have more than yours as you're reading with me. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. Thank you, sir. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, teach us today. Open up the eyes of our understanding that we might truly be able to capture and know and understand, Lord, the things that you have for us today. That we might understand your wisdom. That we might see it from God's perspective, my Lord. Take us high into the heavenlies, my God. That we might be able to catch all that that you have for us. Because Revelation, many times, it's caught. It's not taught. Because we could teach till we're blue in the face and people would just dismiss it. But when they catch it in their spirit, that's when it really, really takes root. And that's when they're able to grow thereby and bear fruit. So, Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for your grace and favor. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So Paul said this, he said, May God, or may He, grant you out of the riches of His glory. See, so in, in God's kingdom there are riches. There's not, it's not scarcity. It's riches. God has abundance for all of us. Here in this earth realm, we all battle for a little piece of the pie. But in the kingdom of God, in, in God's kingdom, there is more than enough for each and every one of us. More than enough blessing more than enough anointing some people want to be like the man of God or the woman of God because wow there's such an amazing ministry no God has something great for you amazing for you with abundance for you say to your neighbor he has abundance for you hallelujah he has abundance of love abundance of favor abundance of grace abundance of gifting abundance of resources hallelujah so may he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through His Spirit. See, so the strengthening and the energizing with power comes by His Spirit. So we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit in order to have that energizing. You need a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the prophet. Thank God for the pastor, the evangelist. Thank God for the apostle. Thank God for the teacher. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because truly, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, the people with multiple gifts in the church will fail you sooner or later. But the Holy Spirit will never fail you. Hallelujah. So he says, he strengthens us and spiritually energizes us with power. He says, through his spirit, in your inner self. Indwelling your innermost being and personality. So he just doesn't indwell you. He also begins to indwell your personality. See, so God doesn't want to remove your personality. He made you just the way you are on purpose. Say to your neighbor, you are the way you are. Because God made you that way. See, some of you are administrative, and you'll come into room, you'll fix everything. And sometimes people will get upset at you because, you know, uh, nothing passes by you. Others of you are very creative. You could take uh, two matchsticks and, and, and make a, a Da Vinci out of it. You're just ultra creative. Some of you are gifted in singing and uh, you're gifted in teaching. Some of you could preach up a storm. Some of you could, you know, Jesus wept. And you could preach a three-month sermon on that. Because you're that gifted. See, but God gave you that. And, and the personality, the way you inflect, the way you reflect, the way you act, the way you emote... The way you respond, the things that tick you off are usually an indicator of God's call in your life. See, 
for you, you get bothered and you look around, other people say, what's the big deal? You understand? Uh, in, in the job that, that I have, um, I manage a building. So for me, I have to study buildings. I have to study bricks. I have to study plaster. I mean, who cares about plaster? But I know how to set up plaster in such a way it won't be too dry, it won't dry too quickly. You put a little lime in it. You have to put a certain amount of it, 50%. I studied solder. Wow, 95.5, amazing. <laughs> what about 50-50? <laughs> you, you understand? You don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm passionate about that. This, you have to use uh, for the electrical circuit board. You have to use rosin core solder. So what? <laughs> you know, but for me, it's important. You know, I'll take you to my boiler room. Look, I'm so proud. Look at this boiler room. Oh, you go get out of here. You understand? But so my personality and the things I like, the things I enjoy. Guess what? I've been able to be a blessing in that industry. I never expected for them to take me to Washington, D.C. and testify about the importance of greening buildings. Greening buildings! I mean, who, who ever heard of such a thing? I went to Washington, D.C. and there was a huge conference on that. People, you know, excited about greening a building, about painting a roof silver. Yeah. See, it, but. You have a unique ability and a uniqueness, and you have a place where God will set you, you'll bloom, you will blossom. Because that's how God made you. Problem is, we're looking at the way others blossom and we want to be like them. Well, guess what? A lot of us try that, then we're miserable. It's because you were a square peg in a round hole. You need to really, really flow with who you are. Because God's anointing, you just heard it there, flows through your nature through your character. God doesn't kill your character. So we're dead. New person. New creation. The sin nature is gone. But he doesn't get rid of you. You're still you. You're still going to talk your way and you're still going to do whatever you need to do. And, you know, and I find many times people come to Christ oh, I got gloriously saved. And then a person says the wrong thing to you and they say, get over here. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Because you know, God's still working in you. Isn't that true? Somebody here, come on, come on. The rest of you, the altar's open, like now. <laughs> don't tell me things don't tick you off. So God doesn't get rid of you. You're still there. So the Holy Spirit, He, in your inner being, He dwells your personality so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. Notice the importance of faith. I need to have faith in the Holy Spirit. Because if I don't have faith in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit won't come. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I was probably 16 years old, 15, somewhere around there. I came to Christ at 15. I remember in our church, people were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And for me, that was an amazing experience. I would see them be filled with the Spirit of God. I would see them, some of them speak in tongues, others cry like babies before the presence of God. And I was like, what's that? That's the Holy Spirit filling their hearts and you know making everything new I said wow that's great and so I thought in my head that so the Holy Spirit comes and just takes over bam and, and just goes like that to them you know I was a kid I didn't know I thought the Holy Spirit just took over so they're there some jumped some hopped and some cried out and so oh so I see when the Holy Spirit comes out that's it you're, you're not in control anymore you know have you ever been in a church where you see something like that yeah. 
Now imagine the whole church. Wow, people running on walls. Yeah, the church I came from was, it was really animated. So I was like, okay, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. <laughs> and nothing would happen. And this had one week, two weeks, one month, two months, three months. And everybody's having fun. Everybody's having a great experience. I'm going, nothing, nothing, nothing would happen. <laughs> so... I got, I, got, I got very sad, you know. Again, you know, I'm 15 years old, you know. This, and the pastor wouldn't come explain anything to me. He was just in his own element, you know. One day we have a revival. This prophetic guy shows up. And he starts preaching. He starts healing people. And, and I didn't know anything about that. I was just brand new. I wasn't raised in church. And people receiving the Holy Spirit. Others prophesying. Others, and this man speaking into people's life. He knew their life, he knew things that nobody else knew, and they would cry and fall out, and what an amazing experience, I said, okay God, you got to talk to me, you got to tell me something, you know, so the, it was a three day revival, so Friday came, and he spoke to everybody except for me, so I went back home, I went, man, this is, this is, this is bad, <laughs> hey God, you know, <laughs> don't you know everything, listen, over here in this little corner, please, Saturday come, amazing service, tremendous time, and he's prophesying over people, and now it's even, I mean, people running on walls, I could have sworn somebody was running through the ceiling, there was such excitement in the room, it was electric, and then there's me, you know, nothing, the end of the service, nothing happened, so I went back home, I went, wow, man, God must not love me, so I got into this emotional sadness, because God doesn't love me, because he's ministering to everybody, and since he knows everything he knows that I'm asking and I'm not getting anything here so I go home and you know it's amazing this is why you have to be a person of faith because I went into the emotional realm if it's not happening for me then God must not love me yet the word says God does but I didn't know at that time that if the word says that's it that's what you connect to you don't connect to your emotion because emotion could be very deceiving so I'm, I'm there and I'm just uh, having that sad moment and then I hear this voice it's just you're right, nobody loves you. Just end it all. I'm serious. I'm serious. I was in my room. I'm at TV. And suddenly I go, oh my God. And, and I just got into this thing. I got into this frenzy. Oh my God, I don't want to take my life. And I'm serious. This actually happened to me. And I'm in my room and I'm going through this battle. And I got on my knees and I, and I praise God. This, and I said, I'm not going to stop praying until you do something. And I was praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Suddenly, no lie. I felt two hands touch my shoulders. Two hands. Yeah, two hands. That was, at that age, freaky. Crazy. I gotta admit, I wasn't ready for that. Two hands touched my shoulders. Strong. It was not, I wasn't dreaming. I was not in a semi-hit. No, I was awake. I was fighting my young life, fighting the battle of my life, mentally, emotionally. Bam. So I said, uh, Lord, thank you. I know you love me, and I'm not ready for this day, though. And so I, you know, I got up and I walked out of the room. But I was happy. Something happened. Then Sunday came, and then this thing happened again. And everybody's uh, running around, having a great time. People falling out, and the spirit of God on people, and uh, people getting healed. It's an amazing. What was an amazing man of God? Uh, he had a great anointing for that. And suddenly, I'm in the corner. I'm saying, "This is it, Lord. It's either today or nothing." You know. I don't know what I would do. 
Then the guy gives the mic up to the pastor, finishes the service. So the pastor gets up, and I'm here. There was enough space on this side of the pulpit that you could actually stand on that side. I'm over there. So the pastor gets the mic. Wasn't that a great service? And he's about ready to close it. And this guy, he sits. There were chairs there, so he sits down, and he looks at me. Then he walks over to me. And he says, the Lord tells me this weekend you've been through a battle face to face with the devil. But don't worry. He just wanted to let you know he loves you. Oh, forget about it. I went, oh. <laughs> I mean, I melted. I, 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 was, I was like ooze. I was ooze on the floor. But that's what I needed. I didn't need a fancy word. Yeah, the Lord says he's going to move you all throughout the world. And you're going to. Uh, no, God loves you. That's it. It was a recognition that God... Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. So the Holy Spirit knows our unique situations and circumstances. But also I find that many times He will allow you to go through battles because you need to toughen up. You need to go through the battle to know how to fight the battle. And God knows better than us what things to allow in our lives. And he forms our character. He forms us in the kingdom of God. Right now you might be going through a battle that the Holy Spirit authorized just for your benefit to toughen you up. Say to your neighbor, he's toughening you up. <laughs> yes, he is. It says, he sure is. Amen. And it says, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width, the length, the height, and the depth of his love, fully experiencing the amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know practically. See, the word practical means that you know it on an earth realm level. You know the Spirit of God on a practical level, how he works in family, how he works in business, how he works with you, how he works through your giftings. And it says here, deeply rooted. And here's my great concern for many today in the kingdom of God, that we're not deeply rooted. We know God on the surface. But the minute God says, okay, now start deeply rooting. What's that? That's a greater relationship. That is, uh, let's get engaged here. Let's get married here. And you say, no, 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 no. I don't mind being in the service. I love going to church every single Christmas. Because every single Christmas, we have special services. Everything is real nice. See, right now, they're giving us a call for next Christmas service. <laughs> so Christmas service is great. You go to Christmas, and then you come back next year Christmas, maybe. Some of you love Easter. You'll come Easter. But here's the problem. If I were to, um, you know, my wife and I were married 38 years. So if I were to tell um, my wife, "Hun, I'll see you in Christmas. <laughs> and it's just like October. You know what she would tell me? Off with your head. She would tell me, yeah, right, stop laughing, you know, stop playing. And then, you know. That's what she'll do because that's, that's not relationship. And too many of God's people... We say we know God, but we know Him only like this. We know of Him. We know some of the songs in church. We know, oh yeah, you know, I go to church, let me see, today, yeah, they finish at around 1 o'clock. We know those things, but you don't know the Holy Spirit. Because you have no relationship with Him. You don't talk to Him. You don't pray to Him. You, you don't fight a battle with Him. You don't read and study about Him. 
I know everything there is to know about my wife by relationship. You understand? And same thing, she knows me. If you were to tell her something about me, she'll go, yeah, that's true. Or she'll say, not true at all. I know that man. That can only come by relationship. And so when we deeply root into a relationship with God, what we're actually saying to God, okay, God, you're going to become first in my life. And I'm going to pray every day. And I'm going to seek you every day. I'm going to love you like you love me. I'm going to love you with all of my heart, my mind, my soul, my body. I'm going to love you with all of my heart. And that's when the Holy Spirit says, okay, fine. Let me take you deep now. He roots you. Then he lets you experience his riches. And here's the problem. Too many of God's people have a shallow relationship with God. So whenever the battle comes forth, and believe me, it's going to come. The enemy is going to come, and the Bible says he always comes to test your faith. You read that in the book of Mark. He tests your faith. He tests how deep you are with God. And the problem is, is that most of them, the minute the enemy tests them, they give up. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to the, the pastor didn't say hello to me. I'm out of here. Well, that brother, you know, he looked at me the bad, a bad way. I'm not, I'm not going to come back. Or sometimes it's a legitimate situation. Some person just felt ornery in a service. And you were the one that they expressed their orneryism to. You know, and, and they just went nasty. There's some Christians in church that are nasty. I'm sorry to say. But that doesn't mean God is nasty. It's just characters. Just people are growing. You know, we need to understand the church has different levels of, of uh, serving God. Different seasons. Some of you have been in the Lord for three years. Some of you have been in the Lord 33 years. Some of you have been in the Lord three months. So what am I supposed to Oh, the church people. You can't just put the whole ball of wax and say, oh, they're all like that. That's dumb. But yet many people do that. I don't go to church. I was offended in church. Really? Okay, specifically what happened? You know, it's usually a minimal thing. It was that the enemy came to test your faith. And since you didn't have any root in yourself, you were not able to endure that specific battle. But the Lord reminds us today that we need to get rooted in His kingdom. We need to get rooted, and especially in this season, because I'm telling you, Things are getting tough. Yesterday, my wife was showing me a video talking about an Arab man. He's a Christian for many years, an Arab Christian. And uh, he was trained in the gospel of Jesus Christ and theology here in the nations, or in the United States rather. And then God called him back to uh, an Arab country. Uh, so he serves God over there. And, and, you know, he's seen it all. Arab Christians over there experience what you and I probably never have experienced and some people say how can I be a missionary how can I you know be a pastor how can I do that he tells them okay are you ready to die that's, that's it that's the qualifier Listen, did you take two years of seminary or four years of seminary seminary did you did you study in Nyack or did you study in, in a no name no none of that is discussed are you willing to die because that's what they experience over there the minute they say, I'm Christian, that's it. You're a marked man, you're a marked woman. So there's a season coming even to the United States where it's going to be difficult to say, yeah, I love God. And if you are not rooted in Him, you're going to push aside the Messiah who loved you, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the one that died for you, that rose again for you, the one that did the work of connecting you back to God just to satisfy some 
confused person here on earth. I need to tell the people of God, people, you're putting your eyes on the wrong thing. You trust people. The Bible says don't trust people, trust God. Now, yes, we love people. Yes, yes. And to a certain degree, when you're working together, you have to trust each other. But I have a saying. It's called trust but verify. Some of you have heard that in, in business. We trust each other, but we have systems in place to protect each other in case somebody goes awry, somebody goes askew, in case somebody forgets, in case, uh, you know, there's a little graph in there, graft. We need to be careful. We always need to trust but verify. Trust God, love man. Serve together with him. I love each and every one of you, and I will trust you and work with you, but ultimately, my highest level of trust, I give to him. If you shift on me, and suddenly you don't like me anymore, and you kick me to the curb, I'm still going to serve him. If you offend me, I'll try to work it out with you. I really will. But I'm not going to let my relationship get affected because that person insulted me, or that person did something to me. No, my relationship with God is too precious. It's an eternal relationship. My relationship with man is most of the time temporal. It could be one year, it could be five years. Some of you, we've been serving together over 20 years. But sooner or later, we're going to retire, right? Sooner or later, we're going to go with Jesus. So even that's limited. But my relationship with Him is forever. So say to your neighbor, love man, but trust God. We can love each other. We're called to love God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But in terms of trust, I'm going to make sure that I trust Him first. Praise God. Amen? Amen. So, in terms of the Holy Spirit, remember last week I said He is our comforter? He's our counselor? How many of you need comfort today? I, I need comfort, man. I, I, you know, I, I go through things sometimes, my heart gets broken. But the Holy Spirit comforts me. Where man can only take it so far, the Holy Spirit could give me true healing. He's our comforter, our counselor, our helper, our intercessor, our advocate, our strengthener, and our standby. I shared that last week, so if you want to hear that message again, it's on iTunes. So you can, or, or go to our website, and you can hear that entire message. I describe each phase of that. He teaches us about the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit leads us to all truth. Ah, so do I, I so do appreciate that. Because most people are biased. Most people think they're telling you the truth, but they're only talking to you from their perspective. See, so I need to know, I need to differentiate what's your perspective and what is absolute truth. Absolute truth is if you double park, you'll get a double t- uh, you'll get a ticket, right? Right? On Friday, I saw, I'm standing at the bu- building where, where I work at, right outside, a lady double parked. She got out of the car and she went like this. And I'm saying, so don't do it. Don't do it. And then suddenly she goes. And she runs into the supermarket. And I'm going, mm-hmm, another ticket. Because see, what people don't know is that the guys that, and gals who give the tickets, they're not human. They're actually disembodied spirits that come out of the sidewalk the second you leave your car. And they go right back down. You never see them? They're stealthy. They're stealthy. 
or at least it feels that way sometimes. <laughs> she knew she was wrong. Now, guess what? Give her the ticket, and she comes back and she gets angry at the absolute law. All along, she knew she was wrong. We even saw it because she went like this. She knew while she was doing it that she could get a ticket. Yet she got angry because the guy gives her a ticket. And then she tells the person choice words. Meanwhile, the, the, the person they've learned, they have, you know, they have a face. I think they got to put it on. As soon as you start work, they were. It just, it just automatically just stays like that for eight hours. <laughs> so another thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is He convicts us of sin and He mentors us. Now, how does that roll out? Well, before you used to do stuff, you never even thought about it. Now, you commit a sin and you go, wow, I feel bad about that. I shouldn't have done that. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Praise God for that. You know what's the worst thing in the world? That you do stuff you don't even care. You do stuff and it doesn't bother you. And the Bible says that there are people that have a seared conscience. That even though they're not going to go to heaven, even though they're going to be separated from God for eternity, they go, I, I can't feel anything. I never ever want to get to that place. I always want to remain sensitive in my spirit. I always want the Holy Spirit to convict me and to let me know, son, this is out of, it's not your nature anymore. You're a, a king in the kingdom of God. You're a priest. You're holy priesthood. You're a prince in the kingdom. Act like one. You understand? So that's how God speaks to us. He lovingly reminds us that that's not our nature anymore. Right? And then when we sin, we realize, oh, I did wrong. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Yeah? So that's another blessing that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Sometimes I think, <clears throat> can't they figure out uh, a chemical or uh, a medicine that you just take it and you don't feel any pain anymore? Wouldn't that be cool? You don't feel any pain. I mean, you could punch a wall, you won't feel any pain. Wouldn't that be fun? No. You know why? Because your body reminds you that there's something wrong with pain. If you have a broken finger, if you didn't feel anything, you'd keep on you know, messing it up more and more. If you have a problem with your liver or your kidney, if you have a problem with your heart, if you didn't feel any pain, that could kill you. There are people right now that have an illness that doesn't let them feel any pain. They could break a leg and still be walking on it. You know, They wouldn't know. That's not a good thing. So that's why I'm saying, oh God, allow us to remain sensitive to you. So that when we sin, when we miss the mark, that's what sin means, you miss the mark of your nature. You miss the mark of where God wants you to be. He wants you to live here, not here. Oh God, help me to sense, to know the heart of God. May my heart break with the things that God breaks God's heart. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord God. God also, uh, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment. Some people are telling us something and it's wrong. The Spirit of God says, mm, this is not a good place to be. This is not, not a good thing to do. Thank God for Holy Spirit that gives us that discernment. Have you ever experienced that? You're about ready to do something, but yet something in you? No, this is not the way to go. Thank God for His Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. God's not looking for an automaton. God's not looking for a robot. He's looking for a son. He's looking for a daughter. 
He's looking for those that he can have a relationship with. He says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So are we being led by the Spirit of God? Because only sons and daughters are led by the Spirit of God. I don't know much about that. Get into His Word. Get into, you know, start learning about the Holy Spirit. Start relating to the Holy Spirit. Start praying and asking Him to fill you. I remember back in the 70s, I was waiting for that moment. You know what happened finally? When I received the Holy Spirit, this is what happened. I went to an all-night vigil. How many remember Behelias? All-night vigils. Yeah, they're good, good. There are times where you get there at 10, 11 o'clock at night, they have the musicians there, and people come to pray all night long and sing and testify and hear a message or two. But it's a time where you soak in the presence of God. And I remember going there, but earlier that day, I spoke to a person that turned the light on for me. I said, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't want to come in me. He says, you're missing the point, dude. You're missing the point. The Bible says that they were filled with the Spirit of God and they spoke tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit of God comes to you. You have to receive it. And then different giftings are going to manifest in your life. And you're the one that has to speak it in faith. You're the one that has to share. You're the one that has to activate it by faith. So it's a partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. So that night, I went and I, we started praying. I said, tonight, Lord, I receive your spirit. Remember all that running around, all the jumping around, all that stuff? Well, that night they started doing that. I said, okay, oh, good, good, good. Right place, right place. I'm in the right place. <laughs> then we started praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we prayed, and, and I got on my knees, I got on the chair. That was a classic prayer posture in a vigilia, in a vigil. You get on your knees on a chair. You take your chair, you make it yours. Don't bother this one. This is my little corner. Leave this one alone. I'm here all night long. So I prayed. I said, okay, I receive your spirit. Nothing happened. I receive your spirit. Nothing happened. And then I remember, in my spirit, started welling up some words that I didn't understand. Some words that were foreign to my English language, but that I knew sounded like what I was hearing with other people. And I started sensing that in my own life. I said, hmm. Wow. And then I remember the kids. Remember, he'll give you the tongues, but you have to utter them as the Spirit gives you the utter. It, it's a partnership. It's, you're not an automaton. You're not a robot. He doesn't take you over and suddenly you're not there and suddenly you're like, dun, 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 dun. no, 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 no. You partner with God. Prophetic, same thing. God will give you the prophecy, but you have to speak it. Healing. You know, God will give you the anointing, but you have to lay hands on the sick. So I'm praying and I'm saying, hearing these words, hearing, and I remember the guy, speak by faith. When the Spirit of God will give He'll give it to you. You ask, He'll give it to you. But you have to speak it by faith. So I, I then started speaking those words. And, and, I, and in my prayer, in my little corner, and then as soon as I started speaking that, I got off. Bam! I felt a presence I've never felt in my life. I felt such a joy. I felt such a, an indwelling. I felt such a filling in my spirit. And then I was one of the people that were rejoicing and crying. I was one of the people that night that received His Spirit. In, in that fullness, in that, in, that, in that level, in that depth. And from that moment on, man, I was a kid on fire. 15 years old, I started preaching. I started ministering. I went all over the place in Harlem, Spanish Harlem. Uh, I went to Brooklyn. I preached the storm. Young kid. But suddenly, I, I, the Spirit of God started preaching through me. Right? And to this day, it just continues. I'm just not as jumpy. I'm, before, I would jump a lot more. Yeah. 
Yeah, see, now I'm a little older, a little more experienced, but still, I still feel that passion. There are times I'm preaching here, and after a while, I'm not even looking at my notes because the Spirit of God is giving me what to share with you. Last week that happened. Oh, whoever who's here last week? Last year, I mean, last week that was, and it continued. I left, and I was still having that little joy moment, that, 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 that spiritual Holy Ghost party. Amen. Praise God. But that's what I desire for you. He's your counselor. He's your helper. He's the one that would take you to those levels that you need to be, especially in this season. You need the joy of the Lord which passes understanding, people. Because you, you go out there, you're not going to get that joy. And your, your neighbors, your friends, your family needs for you to have the joy of the Lord. You need to have the peace of God that passes understanding. And that only comes through the Holy Spirit. What's the peace of God that passes understanding? That's the peace of God where you have peace even in the midst of impossible situations. So, so today in closing, I want to let you know, the Spirit of God is here. He wants to fill you to overflowing. He wants to commune with you. He wants to live in you. When you come to Christ, the Bible says, He seals us for the day of redemption. So in the spirit realm, you have a seal, a mark. People can't see it, but the devil's crowd sees it. I remember one time I was walking on the east side, and, they, and these guys, drunk people, started talking to me like if I was a Christian. They start dancing and, and singing coritos, you know, coritos are old songs. And I'm looking at them. So what are you doing? They recognize I had an anointing on me. Another time, uh, a Santeria person comes to me and says, Well, I, ca I can't touch you. You've got an aura. God's all over you. I mean, <clears throat> well, I don't need you to tell me that God's all over me. I, I know. I know that I know that I know. But the point is that he was able to recognize that. Interesting. We have a mark. Say to neighbor, you marked. Well, we're marked by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another time, two guys come to me with a gun. Get in there. Get in there. We want your money. Get in there. And they go. They, they, they pull back a bit. They go, no, it's okay. We respect people like you. Oh, okay. I just walked away. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Other people will hate you just because of the anointing that's on you. They'll hate you. They don't know why, but you, um, you agitate them. Why? Because of that mark. Because of the Spirit of God in you. But don't worry about that. Because that very person that's hating you today, tomorrow they're going to need prayer. Guess who you... Guess who you think they're going to come to for prayer? They're going to come to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you. That you would take that time out and be filled with the Spirit of God. You could do that at home. You don't have to do this in the church. You could take your little chair, <laughs> take your little corner, and you could say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I receive you by faith. From this moment on, I know you're walking with me. I know you're living in me. Because you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus said, it's necessary that I go because I'm going to send you the other comforter. It's necessary. And then there's another version that says, it's of benefit to you that I go because I'm going to send the comforter that is with you, but he will be in you. And that's the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I pray for your people. I pray that the minds of their understanding, the, the hearts of their understanding, the eyes of their understanding would open, that they might be able to see 
the value, the importance, the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that your glory would overshadow them. So even today as they go and fellowship and come back home, Lord, I pray that you burn deeply in their hearts. That they would be able to open their hearts to you, my God. Because you only indwell willing vessels. Those that open up their heart to you. Because you're a relationship, God. You're a God that's into relationships. And that's the way all relationships are. Two parties must agree. So Father, I pray, bring us to that point. Bring our, our faith to that level that we might receive you. Not just receive Christ and then your life is great, but receive you on a relational level where we walk with you and you with us each and every day of our lives. As you have your heads bowed, let me just say that parenthetically. That many people here, all you need to do is receive Christ and everything's okay, you're never going to have a problem anymore. No, that's just the beginning. You receive Christ and now the Spirit of God indwells you and every day you commune with Him. And every day He communes with you. It's an ongoing relationship. So it's a faulty, a faulty preaching to say, just receive Christ and that's it. You don't have to worry anymore. God's not into this. You know, He's not into one night stands. God's not a, God doesn't shack up. He only marries. So Father, I pray that you would grant your people your wisdom. Hallelujah. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you get some out of this? Amen. Okay, so, five minutes. I'm going to ask a question. Is there anything that confused you or anything that you want highlighted this moment? I'm asking you a question. Do you have that question? Would you like to ask me that right now? Is there anything in particular that you would like answered this moment? Of what I just shared. Yes. She asked, um, the prophet that was talking to me was a Shambach. The answer is no, I knew Shambach. I met Shambach personally. Great man, great man of God. And, and I hung out with him a while. Wow, what an amazing man of God. No, it was a gentleman, no name, don't remember his name, don't remember his face to this day, but I didn't have to because <clears throat> it was the Holy Spirit working through him. The important one was the Holy Spirit who addressed my need. But God used that vessel that day. And this is what I love about God because you could be in the train and suddenly the Spirit of God will give you a word for somebody right in the train. I remember one day the Lord said, go tell that lady that I love her. And I went up and said, listen, the Holy Spirit just told, told me to tell you that He loves you. She went, oh. She was praying right that moment saying, God, don't you love me? We don't know, but Holy Spirit does. Any other questions? You know, that's kind of weird because people usually say, well, I don't know if I agree or well, I don't have a question. And suddenly I got, I don't know how many people and everybody's like. <laughs> I mean, honestly, do you have a question or do you have a, a confusion or something that you would like to know? Yes. The, the bread and wine experience is located in Genesis chapter 14. It's a Melchizedek. A very unusual name, Melchizedek. But you'll find it in Genesis chapter 14. 
He was a king, he was a priest, um, and he also was prophetic. And he showed up after Abraham had this big fight with five kings and defeated them. And he just shows up and apparently Abraham knew him because he you know, went to him, he had the bread and wine with him, and he paid him a tithe. So he recognized him as a priest in that day. But that specific priest had no father, no mother, no genealogy, no beginning, no end. And, says, and the book of Hebrews chapter 7 says, and he's likened unto the Son of God who lives forever. So some uh, theologians believe it was a pre-manifest, uh, pre-manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were times in the Old Testament where Jesus Christ would show up, but he was not the glorified Jesus of the New Testament. He would just show up. The reason why we know that, because sometimes an angel would show up and the people would try to worship them, and the angel says, don't worship me. But there were times when Jesus would show up and he would receive worship. So that's where we see the difference. Any other questions? Yes. Just clarify again that some of us want to receive the, the Holy Spirit. Um, uh. Exactly what are the steps um, to wait on that part? Yeah, can you just make sure you emphasize that one more time? First and foremost, we have to be born again. See, peace. the Holy Spirit will only indwell a born again spirit. You can't receive the Spirit of God in the world. And so you're born again, you go before God. The Bible says we have the right to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 238, receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, he speaks about God. It speaks about the Holy Spirit. An entire family received the Spirit of God. And it's interesting that Peter was preaching, or Paul, I think it was Peter, he was preaching, and suddenly they were all filled with the Spirit. He didn't pray for them. He didn't ask for the Spirit of God to come. They were just all filled while he was yet preaching. So it's necessary that we receive the Spirit. What I was saying is that the giftings of the Holy Spirit won't flow automatically. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit. So whether it is speaking in tongues, whether it is prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, signs and wonders, we have to believe God and partner with Him. Same thing as a police officer. He has to really believe that the government will back him up if he goes outside and, you know, and arrest somebody or writes that ticket, right? Because he's authorized from this organization. Same thing. The Holy Spirit authorizes us to be able to pray for the sick. But we have to believe. Okay? So, you got to be born again. You have to be born again. So, the next question is, does anybody want to be born again? Right? Oh, oh, you want to take over my... my no. You just want to take over my, my message here. Yeah, yeah. From one preacher to another preacher. Give a preacher a mic and look what happens. No, you're absolutely right. We invite people to the table because God tells us to do that. But they have to come to the table. See, one thing, one of the names of Jesus is the advocate. The advocate is like a lawyer. In court, the advocate comes alongside you and helps you. And he's authorized in court. Now, which lawyer will take your case without you authorizing him first? Why you think they're always advertising on TV? They're always advertising on TV to see if you would authorize them to take your case. Same thing in the heavenlies. When we receive Jesus, we're authorizing Jesus to adopt us into the kingdom of God. Because it's actually an adoption. He adopts us, cleanses us. And the Bible says He doesn't forgive our sin only. He expunges our sin. In other words, it doesn't exist anymore. Your past in God's presence doesn't exist anymore. God doesn't forgive. God has an ability to forget sin. We're the ones that have a problem with that. 
We're the ones that are unforgiving. God is very forgiving. One more. Yes. It's funny that um, you shared your testimony about waiting for God to speak to you. The first couple of years that I was in Calvary, I was waiting for a word, and Mickey can testify. And I was so frustrated, Pastor, because it didn't matter. I mean, God spoke to me on a personal level, but I needed it to be confirmed through a person. And that word never came. And in essence, God was telling me, all you need is my word. So there are times that you're waiting for God to say something. And it's not that he doesn't speak because he doesn't love you. He just wants you to go deeper. He wants you to trust his word. And my answer came in my personal relationship with him. It never came through a prophet. It never came through anyone else. Right. Amen. And thank you for sharing that because I was brand new. God knew I needed that at that time. But it will get to the point where God will say, okay, stop trusting in a prophet. Stop trusting in this and that. Develop your own relationship with God. Because the prophet's not always going to speak to you. There are times where we've had prophets come here and they only speak to two or three and then the rest of everybody I wanted something too I wanted a word I want and another time we had a prophet come over and literally he started at I don't know nine o'clock at night he ended up four in the morning because everybody wanted a word and he just kept on giving and giving but it took till four in the morning and the people stayed till four in the morning which blew me away so yeah God will let you sometimes deepen that relationship and then he'll answer you personally because that's where he wants to get to. He wants to get to the place. When I was dating my wife, I didn't tell her I liked her. We had a mutual friend, and I told her mutual friend, I think I like Gwen. She went, yeah, wow. She went to Gwen, blabbed it. I didn't ask her to do that. I went to Connie, yo, man, you're blabbing on me. You know, I, I didn't, and uh, yeah, I know you like my wife. Man, that, that's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> But that's what I needed. I needed an advocate at that time to get me close enough. See, once I got in there, you know, then I took over. Then, you know, then, that's it, man. The rest is history. <laughs> but I, in the beginning, I needed that little, you know, relational help there. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us many times. But later on, you know, I was, "Hun, will you marry me?" I didn't. I didn't call Connie. Well, Connie, man, help me out here. I, I don't know how to tell her. You know? No, I went right up to her. I said, would you marry me? See, I developed that relationship where now I could have a personal dialogue and take it to that next level. And that's where the Holy Spirit wants to take us, to that personal level where we could commune directly. Amen? Come on, give them some praise. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Amen.